Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's cool. Um, my name's Joya, and I. Oh, hi, Stephen. Um, my name's Joya, and I work at a local secondary school. I teach chemistry. That's my day job, and that is um, the second thing that I'm really passionate about. The first thing is Jesus, though. Um, something really ex- exciting happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was at school, and um, I got this email that said, uh, "There's an Amazon package for you downstairs." And I squealed in my lesson because I knew it was my Fitbit. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Dave, I'm not joking, am I? I got really excited. And I got this Fitbit, and I succumbed to the peer pressure of getting this Fitbit. Although if you speak to my brother, what he'll say is, no, you saw Nadine had one, and you wanted one straight away. (laughs) Which is also what happened. Different perspectives on the same thing. (laughs) This Fitbit is amazing, okay? Oh, look, it's... It's got a little message for me now. It's buzzing. Um, It tells me how many steps I've done. It tells me the impact of that steps. It tells me how many calories I've burnt. It tells me how active I've been all day. It even tracks my sleep and confirms that I'm not sleeping well because I'm too busy thinking about my Fitbit. It's brilliant. And uh, I'm mildly obsessed with it and challenge Nadine most days and lose because she's a primary school teacher and does PE as well. such a lot of stuff just from this little watch and in fact a little bit dramatic because all the dream of wanting it to change my life it's not going to unless I do something with that information is it I've still got to do the hard work I've still got to step more I've still got to exercise I've still got to eat properly if I want it to achieve but this watch itself doesn't really do very much I've still got to put in all of that hard work and yet Following Jesus is awesome because God's already done it. It's through no work that we can do that we can make our way to God, that we can do lots of hard things and good jobs in our lives to make our way to God. Through Jesus, he made a way to be close to us. He made a way to be near to us. And he already did it. And he's waiting for us. Through Jesus dying on the cross and being raised to life, there's this direct connection with our creator if we want it. There's no hard work. Before, um, so I think around September, I, um, I got the news that one of my uncles, and being from an Indian family, I have many uncles, but one of my close uncles, um, he was critically ill. Um, all his organs had shut down and they took him to the hospital. And in India, it's not great finding a hospital. You've not got to just go to the closest one. You've got to find the closest one that isn't gonna, is going to have all the things that you need for the thing that you've got going on with you and isn't going to cost too much um, and all the rest of it. So they took him to hospital. And I remember sitting in the church during one of our... Um, prayer meetings and saying God because um, he's also suffered with depression if you want to call it that or just basically hating himself and hating his life and all the rest of it and, and I've, I've prayed for my uncle for so long and I just prayed that night I was like God just I will tell him that you love him if you just let me get to India at Christmas just let me get to India at Christmas and keep him there so that I will promise you that I will spend that whole time telling him how much you love him because I know that he made sorry I don't know why the mic's doing that what do I need to do with it okay 
Brittany here never had this issue. Um, <laughs> I know that he just, he needs to hear that. He needs you to know that. So I promise that I'll do that. And um, so bear in mind, organs are shut down. Um, everything's really bad. Mum's on the phone to me um, saying, I don't know what to do, Joya. What, what, what should I do? And I said, well, just pray. Don't lose hope. You can't lose hope. Don't, like, pray. I've, I've not lose, lost hope. I've said to God, I need to come at Christmas, so we'll just pray. But um, thinking, I don't, I don't know. So then I started to pray, God, you've got to reveal yourself to him now. If I'm not going to get there at Christmas, then, then do that. And in the words of the doctor, by some weird miracle, obviously the Bengali translation of that, by some weird miracle, he's getting better. And he came home. And I went to India at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, woo, that's great. And I did what I said. That's all I did. That's what I wanted to do. That was the big thing. I stayed and being the person that wants to be out and about all the time and can't sit still for five seconds, I sat still for longer than five seconds to tell him and my family that there is a God out there who made you, who loves you, who knows all the stuff that's going on with you and loves you and loves you and loves you, not because of what you've done, but because of who he is. So I have 20 minutes and it's probably less now. And Ron did email me this week to say, you've got 20 minutes to tell people why you're a Christian and why you follow Jesus. It's simple and it's not simple at the same time. It's simple because I love Jesus and that's why I follow him. It's that simple for me. And yet, the reasons that I follow him, and the reasons that I love him, well, I couldn't do it in 20 minutes, so I'm going to tell you just a few. And if you want to meet me for coffee, then I can tell you lots more. There's um, a guy called Toby Stevens in our church, and he spoke a golden nugget of wisdom into my life, um, probably about nine years ago, maybe ten years ago. And um, he was in the youth at the time, and I was his youth worker. And I was stepping down from being the youth worker from that role, and I was moving into being a teacher. And um, I hadn't got that part figured out at that point. And I was trying to explain to my youth group about why I wasn't going to be their youth worker, while still really very confused about the whole thing myself. And um, I was telling them about the fact that You've got to trust God sometimes in situations even though you don't know why the thing is happening and this is one of those times. But, you know, and then I was like, oh, I don't really know what else to say. I had this really planned. Okay, guys, over to you. Why do you think we should trust God? And I thought I'd just buy myself five minutes. So it's Toby Stevens in his Toby Stevens way, put his hand up and went, well, Joya, like, duh. God's got the best track record of never letting you down. I was like, oh, can't argue with that, because it's true. Reason number one, that looking back in my life, I can testify with my whole heart that God has never let me down, ever. Life is full of all that life is full of. My life has had the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Sickness, injustice, disappointment, bereavement, hardship, travel and adventure, beauty and success, but I can only tell you of how God's pulled me out, sustained me through hardship, healed me, comforted me in my grief, granted me patience, and sent peace in crazy situations, blessed me in such creative ways, and shown me amazing sights and experiences, and provided for me, and challenged me. Following Jesus has not made life rosy, or it hasn't made it easy. 
but it has made it better. And it does mean that I'm never alone and that you can be filled with God's Holy Spirit and you can walk through life, the same life, but with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the knowledge that no day and no circumstance and no issue and no conversation and no destruction is a surprise to God. He doesn't wake up and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how I'm going to help you. He's never confused like that. It says in Psalm 39, God hems us in behind and before. In fact, there are so many verses in the Bible that suggest explicitly that God will never leave us or forsake us and that we will never be alone. It's like he's trying to make a really convincing point, like he's trying to remind us of something. In Matthew um, 28, verse 20, he says right at the end of that, after this really amazing speech, and you've got to read it, read Matthew 28 because it's really cool. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So God's got the best track record of never letting me down. You may remember a long time ago that the Black Eyed Peas released the song, Where Is The Love? Does anyone remember it? I'm not going to sing it, it won't be as good. If you haven't heard it, YouTube it later because it's an amazing song. But whilst loving that song and it being so popular, it confronted us and hit us right in the face with questions like, what is wrong with the world? Where are people are making wrong decisions and not respecting each other? Where is the love? When I first heard it, and even now, the truth of those words resonates with me and how I saw the world playing out. And you only have to turn on the TV to see that you can understand why they're asking, where is the love? Why are people making such bad decisions? But I don't ask the question, where is the love anymore? Because I can see love, revolutionary love all over the place. Through all the rubbish that life throws, beautiful things still come to pass. Through the way a nation will gather and support one another when they go through unbelievable atrocities, through the amazing forgiveness that I've seen young people have who have been wronged and have had experiences that a young person should never have had, but forgive and choose to see hope for their future. When you gather a group of young people, just in our local secondary school, and you ask them how would they like to impact or serve the community, and they flood the room with ideas that imply that they believe that love and compassion will change the world. And then they finally hone in on supporting a local care home just because they want to visit the local elderly people in case they feel lonely. When you hear that someone is sick and within minutes our prayer chain is praying. When you walk through the doors of this church and you know that you will leave smelling of 25 different perfumes by the time you leave because that is how many people have embraced you and shown you love. Through the silent prayers of God, please help. Please show me a sign that you are there. And then you turn up to church and there's someone stood at the front who tells you that you need to hear that God loves you and he is not far from you and you are not alone. And you wonder right now, was that word for me or is she just saying that? Yeah, it was for you. That's why you came. (laughs) Through the work of our very own Restore Food Bank, which sows seeds of hope every week, through a community of people who meet and pray and cry out to God for healing for friends and family. But why do these things happen? Why are these things happening? Where is the love? Is this love? 
I believe that through Jesus Christ, through his life, death and resurrection, he showed us the source of love, the source of why all these things happen. This crazy, undeserved, unconditional, unrelenting, unstoppable, unbelievable, unrepeatable, matchless, divine and perfect love came to us in the shape of Jesus. God knows that love is the only thing that will change a heart and change a world because the absence of it causes conflict, the loss of hope, but the presence of love can and does bring a peace that passes all understanding. It does bring restoration. It does bring repair. It does bring hope in the hopeless situations. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that perfect love, God's perfect love, casts out all fear. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to hear that God's perfect love in your life will drive out fear. It doesn't just overshadow it. It doesn't just mask it over. It drives it out completely. I know that in my head and I know it and I feel it in my heart. And I have seen people who have hated being in their own skin, who have been told by others that they are unlovable, be completely transformed when they have allowed the truth of God's love to sink into their hearts. It's incredible to see the release of God's forgiveness in their life and in turn their capacity to be forgiving and release themselves from that anger. I have learned to recognise that my own security and identity is completely hidden in Jesus. It's not just the sum totals of my human successes or failures. It's not the result of some self-help or positive mental attitude or weird mantra that I might repeat to myself to make me feel like I can conquer the world. It's realising that despite my shortcomings, God loves me because of who he is. He made me and he made you. And he only has love for us. He, he alone can take imperfect things and still make it perfect. It's a reason too for following Jesus. He loves me. And there's nothing in all of creation that can separate me from that love. In fact, I haven't just nicked that from my own head. It says it in Romans 8, chapter 8. And verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. So... It's like a long list of, you know, not this, not that, none of those things. But in case you hadn't got the idea, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not even yourself. When I was a teenager... Um, I knew that my dad was a Christian and I go, went to this sort of really tiny Baptist church that was so small it could fit into this church at probably twice. And um, I went along because that's what I did and mum was really happy that we went along to church because we weren't like hanging out on the streets of Croydon slash Thornton Heath and at that time it wasn't great. <laughs> um, and uh, some of my friends at this church got baptised. And I remember being in the baptism service and thinking, why are they crying? Why are they really emotional about this whole Jesus thing? I know like, we go to church and stuff, and I'm guessing that God is probably a thing. But I don't quite get it. And then they said to me, when are you going to get baptised? And I was like, ha ha, right, see you later. <laughs> and um, 
didn't really understand any of it and didn't really talk to anyone about it. But um, I remember asking my dad, look, dad, is God real? And if he is, I'm all in. But if he isn't, or if you're not sure, if you're not 100%, then like, I'm not going to bother with all this Christian stuff. And my dad had every opportunity, every permission in that moment to say, God is real. Yes, this is all true. Believe it. But he didn't. And, I, um, and he said to me, I could tell you that God was real, but I don't want you to believe it just because I told you. I believe that if you really want to know God, you need to get down on your hands and knees and you need to ask him to reveal himself to you because I believe that he will. And it took a huge leap of faith to give that to me and to put me into God's hands and not take control of that situation because he was my dad and he could tell me what to do. So, obviously, slightly frustrated by that. I did nothing for a while. And um, he even reminded me that the Bible says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, and knock and the door will be open to you. Because there's nothing forceful about the way that God pursues us or the way that he draws us with a loving kindness. He doesn't ask us to seek him with, but he does ask us to seek him with our whole hearts. It was years before I actually felt a real prompt to act on what I was feeling about it and, and actually seek God with my whole heart and then find him. One of my uh, dad's favourite paintings is a picture of Jesus um, where he stood by the door, but there's no door handle on the door, the, the handle's on the inside because there's nothing forceful about God. So this is the cool bit. So, you know, dad says, get on your hands and knees and pray. I pray eventually and I find God and I find this amazing community of people back in Croydon. And um, they tell me about, like, so it's a bit like, it's not like this and a little bit like this. So the analogy does fall down if you take it too far. But I was thinking, you know when you like sign up to something and you think, what do I get with that membership? Or what do I get with, you know, what's my free gift? Like I remember at Freshers Week, I was like signing up for a bank account. And I'm like, which one gives the best free gift? So it's like finding out about all the stuff you get now that I belong to a church and like now that I know that Jesus loves me, what, what other stuff happens. And they said that um, you could talk to God about stuff and you could pray and you could just give him your requests. So I did. I took it all at face value and I said, right, okay. God, I want to stop being angry. I'd done a real job, a good job of acting totally fine and happy at school. I had been chatty and sociable, not a lot different there. Um, I would never let anybody see any of the sadness about anything that was real. I would work hard um, at school and at college, and I was desperate to not let anybody see any weakness in my grades or in me at all. I would always act like I wasn't phased by anything. And I worked really hard at doing that, and it was very exhausting. My friends thought that I had the perfect family and the perfect life, And if I'm honest, I really liked the fact that they thought that and I didn't want to burst that bubble because I felt like no one pitied me. Most chances that I had to be vulnerable with people, I always opted out. But the result of that was that my heart was getting hard and cold, but no one knew apart from me. I was angry on the inside and hard on the inside and it was eating away at me like something toxic. 
And it was so exhausting to be like that all the time. I'd seen people around me have a quick temper and I knew that I did not want that. I didn't want it anymore and I wanted to be slow to anger and quick to forgive. And I wanted to always see the best in people. I didn't want to have suspicion. I didn't want to think, well, that happened and it might happen again. I felt wronged by a lot of situations at the time and I would hold on to them and remind myself of all the things that had been said and I didn't want to carry those monkeys anymore. And weirdly, as I tell you this, I don't really remember a lot of those things anymore because they've gone. I don't know if you're similar to me, if you've ever fallen victim to comparison, whether that be silent or vocal. Constantly comparing yourself in terms of looks, clothes, relationship status, bank account, grades, job, closeness to God, your family. I did this all the time in every aspect of life and I did it oh so silently. And I was sometimes so hard on myself that I would equate things that were less than perfect to just failure. I had some outbursts too, but they were normally just with my family. And I just so longed to be content in my own skin. So now these amazing church people were telling me, just ask God for what you want. And there didn't seem to be a particular formula to follow, like a request form to fill in or anything like that. Apparently, I didn't even need to ask anyone else apart from God. I could just go to him directly. I didn't need to ask anyone to pray on my behalf. So at this point, being quite bolshy from quite a young age, I had no reason to not be completely frank with God. So I talked to him in this exact way. God, help me stop being so angry. Help me to forgive easily. And I want to be able to see the best in people. And help me be content in my own skin. If you see any of those things in me today, please believe that it is through no effort of my own, but through the amazing blessing and grace of God. Because he gave me even more situations that needed forgiving, more people that needed me to see the best in them. And I had more circumstances that tempted me to compare myself to other people, which meant that I actually had to live out the fact that my security was in God. And I believed what I was told, that you could just ask God for help and he would. And I still believe it because he did and he does. And even today, even this week and even this year, I know that God keeps answering this prayer of mine. I believe that I can be a better teacher, a better friend and a better daughter and a better sister because of all of those things. Sometimes I forget that God has blessed me in this way. But I'm so grateful that the Bible is full of reminders and my friends in this church family and my wider church family are full of reminders when I forget what God's done in my life. I follow Jesus because he gives me hope, peace, love and joy. Joy. And he shows me ways that I can be part of carrying that out to other people. I've got um, two cool stories in the Bible. There are loads of cool stories in the Bible. These are two of my favourites. Um, there's a lady who has been bleeding for a long time and she hasn't stopped bleeding, just hemorrhaging. I don't know what the actual condition is. And she just she knows that Jesus is going to be going through the area that she's in and there's crowds and crowds of people around, but she manages to touch the hem of his cloak. 
she reaches out her hand and just manages to grab just the end of what he was wearing. And he immediately knows that someone has touched him because he's Jesus and he knows that stuff. And he turns around and she's like, I just thought if I could grab just even the hem, I knew that you would have enough power to heal me. You would notice me. And he does. And her faith heals her. And I just want to long to have that dependency to know that just coming into the presence of God makes a difference in my life. And the other, you won't be surprised by this one, is um, when Peter and his, and his friends, so Jesus' disciples, they're all in a boat, and they start to see, um, the boat's in the middle of the lake, and they start to see someone walking towards them, and they're all like freaking out, because you would if you saw someone walking on water, right? <laughs> Um, and they're like, I think it's a ghost. Um, and they call out all the different things that they think it might be. And then Peter's like, I think it might be Jesus. <laughs> so he's like, okay, right. Jesus is walking on water. And I'm ad-libbing a little bit. You won't find all of these bits in the Bible. But the main bit of the story is in there. But I'd like to think that Peter's like, it's Jesus walking on water. Jesus, if it's you, can call me and I'll come to you on water. So Jesus says, all right, Come. So Jesus gets out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus. Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus. And he starts to sink. And Jesus grabs him. And he says, why did you doubt? And we focus on the fact that, you know, Peter sank and, and Jesus saved him. And why did you doubt? You've got to have faith. And I'm like, do you know that Peter's the only one that walked on water from that passage? When we get look at it, we're like, Peter's the only one that got out of the boat and walked on water. And he might have sunk, but he walked on water. That's not a small thing, you know. Even today, we'd think that was odd. <laughs> and um, what was my point? <laughs> I want to be... I want to be someone that, that does that. I want to be someone that is so confident that it's because Jesus is calling me that I'm going to jump out of that boat and I'm going to walk towards him because he called me. He's given me already so many opportunities to be part of walking on water and to do things that seem impossible and see miracles that have been impossible as well. And amazing adventures. And you know, the thing about walking on water though is that it requires you to recognise that Jesus is calling you and to, to see him call you out. But you can sit there and see the water and you can dream of walking on water and you can write all the pros and cons of walking on water in and all the pros of what it would be like and how exciting it would be and all of those things. And you could even you know, you could listen to loads of talks about how cool walking on water is. But if you never actually get out of the boat and get out of your comfort zone, you won't get to do it. And you'll watch loads of people do it and it'll be really cool and it'll still be this really cool thing. But that experience, you've got to get out. So to close, my life right now is in technicolour. It's in high definition since following Jesus. All the highs, all the lows, all of it, life to the full. And before Christmas, I was completely and utterly spent. If you met me just before Christmas, I'm really sorry about everything or anything I might have said or done because I was just spent emotionally um, and uh, in fact, I would describe it as feeling like my wings had been clipped, that I was trapped and that I was completely drained and I had nothing left. I was beyond no capacity. And yet when I spoke to my brother and he said of me during that time, he said, when you would call and you would tell me about your day and you would tell me what your week was like and you would tell me what you were going through, I would think my sister sounds the most alive 
And I was like, that is weird (laughs) and sick and twisted. What's wrong with you? And he said, no, because you would just tell me story after story about how you called out to God every single day for every decision that you were making, for every situation, every conversation you were walking into. You would just tell me about how much you lent on God and I loved hearing it. And whilst I didn't love hearing that you were tired, I loved that you were totally dependent on God. So looking back, actually, whilst it was really hard and horrible at times, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So where are you? Do you need to seek God with your whole heart? He's waiting for you. Maybe you, realize that you, maybe you need to realise that you can take God at his word and you need to ask him for what you need. Maybe you never knew that following Jesus could be an adventure and you want God to lead you into areas where you get to walk on water. Wherever you're at, I know God wants to speak to you in ways that make sense to you. Maybe you are spent from trying really hard. And maybe you need to know that God made a way for you to come to him and you don't have to do that. You don't have to work hard for it because he made a way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are so real. Father God, I thank you that um, we can look around this world and we can say what is wrong with this world, but we can see your love breaking through in such amazing ways and all of us can testify to that. And we give thanks for those breakouts of where your love shines. Father, I just pray, I pray now, that the truth of your love that can change everything that can change our perspective, can change the way we handle life? Would it sink right deep into our hearts? Father, you know each one of us and you know why we're feeling a block or while we're struggling. Father, I pray that we would know that we can come to you direct. That no one has to do this on our behalf, but we can come to you directly. And that you love us because of who you are and you made us. And your attitude to us has only ever been love. That we just need to respond to you.